episode of Just Another Conspiracy Show with your host, Jeff Williams. Well, Austin, Texas has been in the news quite a lot lately due to the activities of the so-called Austin Bomber. Now, Texas has been the scene of a lot of mass murders dating quite a ways back. There seems to be a pattern of violence in the state. In George 1991, George Hennard drove his truck into a restaurant and opened fire, killing 23 and injuring 27. In 1999, Larry Jean Ashbrook opened fire at a Christian restaurant in Fort Worth, killing 7 and injuring 7. In 2009, Army psychiatrist Major Nadil Hassan opened fire at Fort, opened fire at Fort Hood, killing 13 and wounding 30. And the famous Waco massacre took place in 1993. Most famously, the assassination of President Kennedy took place in this state. The killings never stop. Yet, Texas is one of the most pro-gun states in the Union. Now, the NRA keeps repeating the maxim that more guns means more deterrence. No one's going to mess with an armed population. Once again, it's the old Cold War doctrine coming up of mutually assured destruction. You're not going to attack me if I can attack you back. Unfortunately, that logic doesn't work with guns. See, if I attack you first with a gun, chances are you're going to be deceased, dead, formerly a person, no longer alive, because a gun kills, and that's the end of the story. But Texas would rather repeat their oft-repeated maxim of don't mess with Texas, and that's become synonymous with the state. They're rugged. They're tough. They're going to defend themselves, gosh darn it, and they are going to have their guns, drink their beer, smoke their cigarettes, and eat their bacon rare, because that's the way the Texans like it. However, Texas actually ranks 24th in terms of murder per capita in all the United States. And that clearly puts it in the upper half, in the upper 40% as a matter of fact. And remember, this is a per capita statistic. So it doesn't matter that Texas is also one of the most populous states in the Union. This is per capita, meaning guns per, or sorry, crimes per 100,000. 
It also rates six on the scale of states with the highest percentage of their population in prison. Now, that again puts into the upper seven, well, te upper 10%, almost in the upper five. And that gives it a serious crime problem. This, th these aren't regular crimes. This isn't shoplifting or jaywalking. These are, these are crimes that are worth jail time. Stealing, murder, rape, robbery, drugs, those sort of offenses. And when it comes to drugs, it isn't one-time offenders going away. No, no, these are repeat offenders, hardened criminals. So, <clears throat> again, 24th, at cap, 24th out of 50 United States in terms of murders per capita and 6th highest on the most amount of people incarcerated. That's a lot of crime in a state that depends on its guns to protect itself. So at least in Texas, higher retribution in terms of prison sentences and retributory violence, by which I mean, if you try to shoot me, I'm going to shoot you, doesn't seem to be working. Now, that's a controversial statement, but those are raw numbers I've given you. Numbers, depending on the source, don't lie. And there's little deterrence value to guns, prisons, or retaliation. You see, when you boil it down, a lot of crimes are crimes of passion. Now, that means crimes are usually committed in an emotional state. Crimes are rarely planned out like you see in a television show or a movie where, you know, all the gangsters get together and say, Now, she here, we're going to go into the side entrance where the disabled the grid system and I've got to do this. No, no, that rarely happens. Generally, you have an emotional state that's going on. And that emotional state can be highly vari variable. But it generally is emotions like rage, anger, hate, greed, desire, lust. These are all passions, passions that can drive a person towards a crime. Now, this does not in any way excuse the perpetrators. Believe me, if I'm angry at you and I throw a rock at you and hurt you, I'm just as guilty as if I'd thrown it at you in a cold and calm state. But our purpose is to understand the criminal behavior that is going on. It's such a knee-jerk reaction to propose tougher laws to punish criminals and more guns to let the people defend themselves. And putting evil people behind bars indeed is highly satisfying to someone to say. I mean, saying that you put a major criminal offender away for life, forever, for a thousand years, whatever the sentences are, it does look very good on a person's resume, if you're the prosecutor, if you're the judge, whoever you might be. No one would argue with Charles Manson being in jail for life or longer or whatever his prison sentence is. He's in there, for, he's in there till the day that he croaks. Anything else would be ludicrous. <clears throat> the fact that he comes up for parole every once in a while? No. I have complete sympathy for a man being in prison for life. Because there's always the possibility then you can retry a person and find him innocent. However, in Charles Manson's case, it would be a pretty neat trick of justice to find him innocent on any stretch. But that's beside the point. The point is that these criminals are not being deterred from acting out their violent wishes upon others. Now, perhaps it might prevent a shoplifter 
or a purse snatcher who's thinking, mm, I might get away with that, but I might go to jail. But I would argue it is a very minor consideration. And it's certainly not making a difference to the people who've been pushed to the point where they were commit murder. You see, retaliatory violence does not prevent crime. All it does, on certain occasions, it might mitigate the totality of it. Such as when, I think it was in Maryland, a school security guard managed to shoot an offender trying to kill kids. The guy stopped it a little bit quicker than might have otherwise happened, but it still didn't stop the intention from happening. Now, Mark Anthony Condit, which is the name of the Austin bomber, certainly wasn't stopped by the punishment, or by the threat of punishment, when he was assembling his bombs. He was motivated by something else. It cannot be denied that his victims were mostly ethnic minorities, but him being removed by his own hand, by which I mean he committed suicide by blowing himself up when the police caught him, it removes any chance of us finding out what the true motive was. All we have left is speculation. And Mayor Victor Gonzalez has noted that, and this is a direct quote, this is a fluid situation. Now, a fluid situation is a very clever way of saying they're not sure what's going on and anything can happen at any time. Fluid situation is exactly how the Russians described the Western Front when the Germans were pouring over the line and being and overrunning them in 1941. So whenever I hear the word fluid, I immediately think disastrous. Right now, they're not even sure the menace is over, because Mark Anthony Condit had been, had been disappeared from his home for over 24 hours before being caught by the authorities. In that time, he could have done anything. Remember, this is a man who is mailing bombs, setting bombs, setting tripwires, and in 24 hours, that's a lot of time to set things up. Whether you have military experience or whether you don't have military experience, that's a full day where no one can account for his whereabouts. The people in Vietnam who were fighting against the United States, the various groups that are trying to fight each other in the Middle East, in 24 uninterrupted hours, the things they can accomplish would stagger your mind. They can disable tanks, they can take out platoons, and this man was busy making explosives right up until the last minute, as far as we know. Now, the home of the bomber was searched, and there were no completed bombs found. The key word, completed bombs. It's not really complicated to make a bomb. Anybody with enough resources to do it. And looking up recipes to make a bomb is as simple as a Google search, or whatever search engine you might prefer. Back in the 1980s the 1990s, one of the holy grails of the BBS system was called the Anarchist's Cookbook. And it was mostly about stuff detailing how to become the gray man, how not to be caught by authorities, and of course there were plenty of things interesting to the youth of the time, the kids that were using the computers and dialing up, and those were how to make bombs and weapons. One in particular I remember was how to make a napalm light bulb in which you would install this 
you would, sorry, you would create this light bulb, install it in a place, and when the person came in and flicked on the switch, the light bulb would explode, putting what is basically a mixture of napalm over the person, and of course the spark would set a light, basically being your own personal assassination weapon. Now, I've never done this, I have no intention of doing this, but this information dates back to the 60s, 70s, 80s, and has been widespread since at least the 1980s. Now, that was me with zero criminal intent, surfing the, surfing the BBSs before the internet and having access to information like that. Now, Mark Anthony Condit attended Austin Community College from 2010 to 2012. So he definitely had some level of, uh, level of intelligence. You don't get into community college by being a dummy. And he obviously had access to the internet. He had everything that he needed to figure out ways to make bombs. Now, the authorities state that there's nothing special about the bomb, so he didn't need any military training, but that doesn't mean he didn't have coaching. Now, apparently he was using mouse trap and clothespin switches, which are about as simple as you think they are, which again shows he was using very simple means to detonate his bombs, chip wires, timers, etc. Now, in Ontario, where just another conspiracy show is recorded, the basic materials for fertilizer bombs are outlawed. Yet, somebody with enough time could probably very easily manufacture them. It would be relatively easy for me to tell you how to do this, but in the interests of my safety and others, I'm just going to say it's not that hard to make one of these things up. Again, the Anarchist Cookbook is out there. That's the only clue I'm going to give you at present. And for whatever reason he was making these bombs, they still don't know. At this point, police are still considering these as possible hate crimes, and that is exactly what they want you to believe. For the Illuminati, it is always important to be magnifying the hate, magnifying the distrust, magnifying the, to the fact you can't trust the people around you or the surroundings, and most importantly, making it look like Government is your only answer, but also, government is completely powerless to help you. We need tougher laws, but you need a gun to defend yourself. You ever notice the contradiction between these two statements? Yet those are the exact two statements that keep getting burned into our head. This is a statement of utter anarchy, utter contradiction, and ultimately utter chaos. Chaos always leads to difficulties, and the lack of trust in our fellow beings is the easiest way to sow disorder. Now, the bombs are the best agent to cause more disorder. You see, we've already had mass shootings that were driving the population very, very uneasy. But as some of you might recall, the anthrax scare kept the nation on its toes for months after two, in 2001-2002. If not for the September 11th attacks, it might have dominated the news. Now, the Austin bomber has managed to continue the culture of chaos. After all the shootings that have gone on, now we're adding bombings. You see, all the things that we look at the Middle East and say, oh, the violence over there is because of the bombs, the guns, what they're doing to each other is coming home to roost for each and every one of us. And we might never know where 
the Boston, sorry, the Austin Bombers allegiance is, or what his ties might be. And this might be never, this might never truly be known. We're just going to have to take the authorities' word that they have cracked the case and everything is okay. Because now that the internet and dark web make it possible to form connections across the globe, who knows who this person might have talked to? As I alluded to earlier, we don't know who might have coached him, who he might have spoke to, or who might have put it in his mind. And since his initial targets were minorities, that would indicate a definite pattern. Admittedly, later, other people were becoming involved, but the fact is, not all of his bombs made it to their target. One of his bombs was discovered at a FedEx facility, so we can't successfully say where that one was targeted for. And whatever motivated him is now lost to the bomb that he used to end his own life. Now, supposedly police confronted him, shots were fired, and he triggered the bomb, ending his own life. So, again, the police were armed, they were able to confront him and stop him, but his exit plan was never involving police retaliation or anything with anything considering consequences. His exit plan was to blow himself up. No amount of deterrence, no amount of firepower would have stopped him from accomplishing his objective. And since he obviously had a bomb in a car, hmm, car bomb, car bomb, where, where do we hear this from all the time? Oh, that's right, the CNN Evening News from places in the Middle East, and indeed in other places, but I'm just using the Middle East because that's where we get the majority of our reports from. That's what they want us to think of. So what we're seeing, if you look at the picture globally, is <clears throat> something we associate with the Middle East, where there's these racial ties and tension that date back millennia, is now starting to spread to Texas, the homeland of the United States, where people are good and the stakes are rare and everyone's a big rootin' tootin' cowboy. But instead of being self-sufficient, now they're starting to turn on each other. Again, the path to chaos. And that, that is what's going to drive the mystery and mystique of Mark Anthony Condit. What was it that ultimately drove him towards committing such a heinous and seemingly random series of crimes? If we rule out whatever explanation the police are going to give us, because of course they're going to rule it's a hate crime, no matter how many people of whatever religion, creed, or whatever you want to, whatever group you want to put them in, they're still going to say it was a hate crime. <clears throat> I'm going to rule that out temporarily, and I'm going to say perhaps this was in fact a test of some sort. Maybe he was trying to make his way into the history books. But more likely, this was probably a rite of passage for him to serve whatever nefarious ends. You see, young men have always been used to spread fear and chaos by the hidden ones. Ever notice that it's not 50-year-old men going on shooting rampages? It's never a 70-year-old with cancer who has a couple months left to live that's walking to a school and shooting people up? No, young men. Young men is a target demographic. And... Why is it young men? Well, <clears throat> World War I was started by a single man, a single young man, firing a shot into the Archduke of Austria and his wife. 
the number of mass shootings again that we've had recently are all being committed by young men. Now by young, I mean under 30. I'm not going to point towards that generation as being anything other than, they, than what they are, other than recruits, because the Illuminati loves to get a hold of young men. You can take a young man, 17, 24, whatever he is, without much experience in life, and you can train him any way you want him. You can influence him any way you want. And we'll get a couple ones that are mature for their age and who realize how to question things and everything they're being told is not necessarily the truth. The fact is, by and large, the accident rate among 18 to 24 year old men is the highest because they're more willing to try crazy things. Skydiving, drinking a whole bunch, trying drugs, or maybe even making bombs. So, let it never be said a single person cannot make a difference. They absolutely can. And that's precisely what the Illuminati want to do. They want to trigger random young people and make them instruments of mass destruction. After all, it's a heck of a lot more cost effective to chat with somebody on an internet message board and tell them, yeah, your enemies are... I'm just going to pick on something, the Postal Service. You want to get rid of the Postal Service. They're the ones who are doing everything to you. And with enough influence, you can convince that person that is the truth, and then they will take things out themselves for nothing more than the cost of the internet connection, which my entire audience is already paying for to start with. That's a pretty cheap price for an assassin. Governments would kill for that. However, the only time we hear about single men, young men, committing crimes are the ones who done, the ones who have done horrible things, like starting wars or killing many people with bombs or explosives. Whatever, whatever that is, it's always a young man that's being shown as the criminal. But what I want to do, just to make sure there's some positive balance, is to make sure we don't forget those who make cause positive contribution. <laughs> Let me try that again. Positive contributions. Those who work their way up and help others. You see, what we need to do to counter this global offensive of terror that's being waged against us is not to bomb some cities that we've never heard of their names before, but for every bomber, we need five people to help out charities, to donate their time to worthy causes, and not because it makes the world a better place, but because it helps maintain the balance. See, <clears throat> Yes, one person can unleash a lot of destruction, but five people working together, ten people working together, can rebuild and to build new things, new criteria, set new examples of how better behavior for everybody out there. We can fight back against the criminal globalist oligopolies, but we have to be smart about it. As the saying goes, think globally, act locally. Keep sight of the global picture what people are doing against us. They're trying to make us afraid. They're trying to maintain that culture of fear. So we've got to go out of our way to do the opposite. Picking up trash at your park isn't going to save the world, but it's going to make a positive difference for you and your neighbors. That person at work who looks a little bit down, hey, maybe just crack a smile and say, hey, the other day, you did this, it made me smile. A little thing like that can make a positive difference. 
every little bit is going to help. And the most important thing for us to remember is not to lose faith in each other in these troubled times. After all, those people who are living in fear of the next shooter, the next assassin, the next bomber are among the vulnerable people. They are the ones that be turned around and say it, and be told, aha, there's nothing left to live for. You might as well end it all and take a few people with you. So those people who you see on the street are counting on you to help them realize they're still good in the world. Be the change you want to see. Give some change to the homeless. Volunteer at a soup kitchen, or like I said, you see somebody down, a pat on the shoulder and a kind word, kind word means more than you possibly think it can. And that is a small act that everyone can do to make the world a better place. And a better place will do more to prevent violence by these lunatic fringe people than all the guns and all the prisons and all the word. Now making this show a better place is the band Pipe Choir with their song Stand Up, which stands up the message of this show. Stand up for what you believe in, stand up for your community, and stand up and make a difference. Once again, many thanks to a view from Space Community on Facebook, who continue to support just another conspiracy show. And also, Spooky, Weird, and Cool group, which has always been a staunch supporter of Jack's. Now, a reminder that Cemetery Island by Jeff Williams is available on Amazon Kindle as an ebook. It's a read worth your time, and as an ebook, it can be carried anywhere you go. If you enjoy this show, perhaps you'll enjoy the mystery of a young man's incarceration in a psychiatric institution where he realizes his treatment is being run by a sinister group of therapists who are looking out for other people's interests. The book Secrets of Solomon by Jeff Williams is also available, an insight of the great king of Israel whose actions bear attention even 3,000 years after his life played out. And most importantly of all, thank you once again for inviting this show into your homes. <laughs>